if we if we do a rebrand and we're we're doing a new website right it is important to again not rush through the beginning phase the beginning phase is when you set the expectations if you do it wrong you will have healthy goals and different point of views so it's super important to not rush through this hello and welcome to episode 14 of webflow the podcast dedicated to uncovering the greatest failures behind the greatest web flowers, because success often comes after learning from many failures. I'm your host, Jack Redley, a failure connoisseur, and today my guest is Ben Selinski, Webflow developer and UI designer. Ben's website says, Many freelancers produce quick, non-sustainable websites lacking strategy, usability, and product market fit. This is never the case with me. The three failures Ben talks about in this episode are failing to ask himself what he wanted to do, failing to understand the client's perspective, and failing to understand that you can't be good at everything. So embrace and learn from failure in episode 14 of Webflow with Ben Selinsky. Honor to have you, Ben. <laughs> Honor to be here. Thanks, Jack. So let's get into this thing. Ben, I'm interested on what your website says. Uh, many freelancers produce quick, non-sustainable websites lacking strategy, usability, and product market fit. This is never the case with me. Why is that? Mm -hmm. So I hope it didn't sound like complaining about other freelancers too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, I I never take on too much projects at the same time. This is like one thing. Because I think a lot of freelancers tend to sort of like, you know, put four or five, six projects at the same time and then like try to manage it all. And then what it does is it gives you obviously like less space to focus on each one because it's just impossible at from some point, right? The second of all, I think, I mean, on average, I would say I'd have more experience working with internal teams working with people from marketing, with people from business, with people from, you know, like other departments at companies, because the freelance world is a pretty lonely world. So oftentimes, you know, you, you want to get into it from another industry and you start working solo and you're, you know, like you're figuring things out as you go, which is a good thing. And everybody does this. And, but for example, like in my case, I was working as an in-house UI UX designer before in teams. So first I was working for a big company, then I was working for a software house, then I was working for an agency. So it's, you know, I, I got this different experience and I think it taught me a lot about handling big projects, doing estimates, talking to people from different departments, learning about their expectations. And this is, you know, this is the stuff that you learn it over time. And then you sort of, you have to be open and collaborative with other people doing other things than what you're doing. And that's also one of, one of the big learnings, I guess, from my career. That makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of Webflow has come into Webflow kind of as a freelancer straight away. And they're kind of making it up as they go along, um, trying to build the plane while flying it type thing. That was certainly my experience. And then when you join an agency or you take part in agency work, 
you're like, whoa, okay, there's so much stuff, like so many steps that I didn't have in my process. There's a focus on SEO, which maybe I hadn't had before. And it was kind of like, I was just doing animations. And now I'm like, oh, accessibility, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that if you were to to roll back the years and start again with Webflow, I mean, it sounds like you've done it the right way in terms of starting with bigger organizations like agencies working in-house teams and then branching out to freelance on your own or what do you think about that Hmm. that's an interesting one because i would say that the grass is always greener because i would prefer to be probably a developer first going into webflow so i you know i'm i'm not too happy that i didn't have the developer experience before um but I talk to developers frequently who are not happy that they didn't have design experience before. So, you know, like grass is always greener on the other side, but I'm definitely happy regardless of like being a designer or a developer first or just non-IT person first. I think it's a very good experience to have to not work solo before jumping into freelance because what it gives you is it gives you awareness and Awareness is an important thing because like technical skills is is one thing. And there is a point that, okay, number one need from my client is that I will be able to produce this website, right? But then clients tend to care more about feeling secure with you, feeling secure with your process, trusting your abilities, trusting your communication, etc. These are all the things that you build from experience and from collaborating with different people you can't build this like working in isolation so i think like the more you can be around all of this absorbing it you know you start to see that oh so this is a consideration this is a consideration this is a consideration and you're building that awareness that you wouldn't think is important or you wouldn't think is there so that's interesting what you said there so there seems to be When you work in bigger teams, you learn the soft skills side of like the client management side of things maybe more because you're aware of there's different considerations from the marketing team. You need to have this thing from the 3D, um, you know, the blender guy. (laughs) There's, There's this thing, you know, there's like different people that you need to manage. And that really helps when you're a freelancer to actually manage the client process because the client is not just paying you to make a website. The client's actually paying you to guide them through the process. And the end result is a website that not only works, but, you know, they can actually use it moving forward. So having that experience in a wider team really, really helps. So there's kind of two things there. There's soft skills and there's the awareness that comes with having, you know, worked in a team that I think is really, really interesting. Um, and you definitely seem to be someone that really values the process. I've heard you talk on a podcast with Joe Krug, FinSuite, saying that you're not going to do quick jobs. That's not your style. You're not a quick in and out type of webflower. You are someone that's looking for more like a collaboration throughout the, the client webflow relationship. Why have you come to that conclusion? Hmm. Many reasons. Um, I think it also like probably comes through my design past because I spend a lot of time like learning about UX process, about web design patterns, about, you know, like usability type of things. 
And I think we tend to, at least that's the impression I get from socials, that sometimes we focus on effects. You know, like we won these awards or we did this website, but you sort of feel when it's focused on, again, like on, on the effects. And for some websites, it's okay, but it's not like every website needs to have it. In terms of the speed, mm, let, let's bring the Reloom example. Um, Reloom, I love you guys. They're doing the Speed Design League. They're doing the streams where it's like, yeah, yeah design landing page in 30 minutes or something. I would probably die doing this. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like you have two different types of designers. So you have designers who are like artist type. An artist type is typically, you know, somebody who has like creative flows and is just, you know, I don't have to be very organized or uh, meticulous with the process. I can just... Um, it will come together. Fly through it. Yeah, it will come together. But I'm not that type. I'm the, I'm the opposite type. I need to have my process and I think I need to have the space to think because it's not like when I'm building a website, I'm not building a visual layout only. I'm building a way of communication. I'm building a marketing channel and I'm building a product connecting what different departments need. So for me, it's a heavy thought process that goes into the designing. It's, it's not just, these are the colors, these are the fonts, boom. That's that just the type of person I am. And by not focusing on speed, the website should be a better product in the end. And that you're not giving wrong expectations to your client. Clients sometimes can think that design is again, like just visual drawing. And if they think that design is just visual drawing and not the whole thought process behind it, then it builds up the expectations of like lowering the value they see in design and also like expecting it to be just quick, quick, quick. And again, like for some freelancers, it's fine. I think that the sub subscription-based model is perfect for this type of work, but I wouldn't say it's for everybody and not for every business, so. Interesting what you say about the, the two different types of web flowers, these kind of artist type or the structured type. I guess the effectiveness of the website for the client's goals kind of depends. They'll hire the freelancer that may be like the awards type freelancer maybe versus someone that's making super fast, quick loading websites that maybe are more like less aesthetically pleasing perhaps, but actually more effective in the long run potentially. So I guess it's important for Webflowers to kind of choose which style of Webflow they want to be, because that in itself, I think, is a niche for Webflowers to be. Should we jump in to the failures now? So tell me about failure number one, not asking yourself what you wanted to do. This is about purpose, though, isn't it, really? So it is about purpose. But it is also about like listening to who you are and if what you do matches with who you are or who you want to be. So this is this sort of like giving you this space for self-reflection and this sort of, you know, like leaving all the things that you think you should be doing or that other people do 
so you should be doing that, etc. And just like listening to what's inside you, right? So mm-hmm. for me, the first time I experienced this um, was pre-IT because I, I did five years of studying law. Uh, I have actually a law, law degree, but that was not what I wanted to do. And it took me five years to like, get out of it. And it, was, and it wasn't easy because it's harder to leave five years of hard work behind than it is to leave a year of hard work behind. You know, it builds up. And I think that was partly because I wasn't aware of other options. For example, I learned that there is a job called UX designer while being at fourth year of my law studies. I had no idea this job even exists. But I think it was this, again, like lack of awareness and lack of thinking I am able to actually change my career that drastically because it's, it's a drastic change. Like there, there's zero connection between doing law and doing UX design or Webflow development. So having the time to actually like think, is this what I want to do for the next God knows how many years? And then trying to find a way or like create a space to actually like learn something new and just like carve out the time to to explore and to experiment because you know now i think that you discover what you want to do by trying out different things experimenting and then thinking okay did i enjoy this how did i feel about that or do i enjoy learning that i didn't ask myself enough do i enjoy this and how do i feel about this leaving all the things like money prospects security and all of that stuff like leaving it aside for a while because it is you know it is important but if you're having a job where you're you feel like you're secure and you're earning good money but you're just like forcing this and you don't enjoy it and you feel like you can't be yourself in this job then i would say it's not worth it honestly so it's interesting how you talk about self-reflection being the first step in this process to actually understand, am I happy and how do I feel about what I'm currently doing? I've heard you talk about this in the context of after a Webflow project, even if you're taking on another project straight after, like taking the time to just be like, right, what went well, what didn't go well, you know, what skills do I need to improve upon? You know, did I handle the client well? Was the offboarding process what I wanted it to be? And go through it quite methodically to actually understand how you can improve. But it's interesting that you have that same process, but on a macro scale with your life. I think it's really, really good advice to just take a second and just ask yourself how you're feeling more, more than we probably yeah. do a lot of the time. Some web flows, and we were talking before the stream, a lot of web flows are kind of doing five projects simultaneously. And you're like, how the hell do you even have the space to kind of mentally, you know, understand where you're at if you're kind of on the go the whole time? So true. Like, I don't want to say that you should be doing it, you know, like daily or super frequently because, you know, like your mind needs a rest. So you, you can't just analyze every second of what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, sure. Um, because like that's, too far but i think it's important to have 
you know, regular catch-ups with yourself about this stuff. And I also started, um, I changed my approach actually to taking the notes after the project. Right now I'm taking the notes while the project is still going because I found that I was losing like half of my thoughts that I thought I will remember and then the project ended and I I just forgot. So right now, you know, when I'm experiencing something in the project and I feel like hmm, this can be a learning for future, I will stop everything I'm doing and I will write it down. That's so, fascinating. Do you do that on Notion or? I don't yeah. have it very organized, but yeah, I'll just quickly, you know, type it out in Notion and... And then I have the space to come back and sort of, you know, reflect after the project, but it will be there. So I won't forget it. Tell me about Balia 2, thinking that clients care about the same stuff that you care about. That one comes from having the collaborative experience with people from different departments. Because I think we live in a bubble. We hang out with each other. We see cool stuff we see cool designs we are inspired by them blah 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 but it creates a common understanding between the design community and the webflow community probably of which websites are cool and why and because we hang out with each other and we don't hang out with people doing doing other things in it so much we just have this idea right for for example like i know as a webflow developer that if I want to develop a great website, which also performs well, I need to be doing this and this and this and this. And then you go to the project and suddenly you don't have the time for these things or your client doesn't appreciate it and you're angry about this because you're you're feeling like I'm trying to put the quality work in and I don't have the space for it or I'm not appreciated for it. And it can create, you know, like frustration, stress for you, etc. very easily. And I think it was it was a case with me for a while, like learning this, because I used to be annoyed and a bit angry about this, that you know, I'm working with people who who don't appreciate that extra, you know, 10% we can bring to the table. And I think after a while, you see their perspective more because you can have the person from a marketing team looking at your website and they will have other priorities than you because as a developer, your priority is that the development should be good. As a designer, your priority is that design should be good. But we forget that the marketer's priority is that the marketing stuff should be good and the copywriting, right? The salesperson priority is that the sales should be good and that the website should be optimized for sales. So then you get the different departments wanting your website to be optimized for different things and you have the deadline on top of it and budget on top of it, blah, blah, blah. So it's a balance between all those things mm. um, and that was the learning from me. And I definitely think there's two things that I found really helpful and if you've got, if you resonate with this, do say one having loom videos to explain what the process of decision making is if i have made a decision and then the client pushes back and i'm like here is why show another website or show yeah i don't know page speed um insights or whatever and then the other thing is 
in meetings throughout the project have key stakeholders all in the room to ensure that everyone feels that their voice has been heard because i think that sometimes comes into play where you have the marketing team that weren't invited to a meeting and then they send you like an angry message afterwards and you're like okay so what i should have done actually is just had them to the meeting and then we could have explained the decision making process is there anything else that you feel is really really important to align the client and the different stakeholders you know if it's a larger company like marketing team sales team whatever to ensure that everyone agrees what that alignment is and the priorities are i'm actually going through that right now in one of my projects so 100 percent plus one on the loom thing loom is amazing i would say that it is important to, again, not rush through the beginning phase of the project because the beginning phase is when you set the expectations. If you do it wrong, you will have hurt egos and different points of views. So it's super important to not rush through this. For example, if we, if we do a rebrand and we're, we're doing a new website, right? And you have a company, you have people from other departments, you can do things like, you know, brand exercises or like just ask, how do you think your new website should look and feel? Like give me three words, right? Collect them from different people. And then first of all, what you have is you have a perfect high level overview of whether people at this company want the same type of website or not. Just by doing that, you, you, just like that, uh, you see it. And then you align on priorities and you do, okay, so we came to the conclusion that here are our, you know, our wish list. And now we need to decide on the priorities because we can't build a website that will have all of these things because it's impossible. So when you align on the priorities, then show examples. And if you... If you say something is impossible and doesn't make sense, show examples. Do the loom, show examples. If you align on priorities and the client says, oh, we want a website that will be playful, friendly, and interactive, right? Make sure you are on the same page of what does playful and interactive mean, actually, because it can mean totally different things to different people. And here's also when loom comes into play, and just show real examples. Like apart from just showing maybe designs, concept, wireframes, don't be afraid to show other websites and say, okay, this is the website that is playful or maybe interactive is a better example. This is a website that that is interactive. This is a website that is interactive, but they are interactive in a different way, right? And then which way of interactivity do you think would be the best? And also like give your opinion on what do you think as a designer or a developer that would be the right kind of interactivity for this website. So this is just one example, but it's super important to work your way to have one common level of understanding of what type of website you're building. Because if you skip this, then some people will get angry. Yeah, <laughs> you're in a you're in a hot mess. 
So what you said there, just to understand and recap, one, ask different stakeholders, if you're working on a big project, different stakeholders within that company, three words to describe how they want the website to look and feel. And then once you've understood and aligned with everyone what those three words should be, then understand visually what those words look like by showing different website examples and saying, hey, this is what I interpret as playful. Is this what you had in mind? Before then jumping into Figma and, you know, knocking out wireframes or putting together wireframes that might be completely wrong because you've had an interpretation of what those three words mean, but actually everyone else doesn't. So yeah, completely agree with you there. I think a lot of people watch the Webflow University videos and stuff, but there's a lot of alignment things that might go wrong with an actual Webflow client project unless you've done this preliminary stuff really solidly. So is there anything else in this preliminary period before actually jumping into design and dev that you think Webflowers might be overlooking? Maybe time estimates and just sort of structuring your process because we talked about the first phase of, you know, design, design research, etc. But before that, there should be a common level of understanding what will we be doing step by step. I would say, like, try to minimize this sort of, I'll figure it out. I mean, it's, it's natural that you're figuring out, but your client shouldn't feel like you're figuring that out. Clients expect, again, to be to be guided and they super appreciate if they are guided the correct way. So, so I would say, you know, spend your time and effort aligning your process, but also explaining your process to the client because you can have amazing process. If you don't explain it well, it will be only partially helpful because your client will be like, you know, where are we? And then the second thing, I would say that the process is one thing, but the second thing is the ability to estimate the time effort. Because I think what people do often, and again, it's natural, is to underestimate the time that it will take to produce something. Because we, you know, we see that, oh, this is five pages should be pretty typical layout, some animations, yeah, that's easy. It will take, you know, this and this. And then sometimes people forget that you have all sorts of iterations in between communication. At every Webflow project I had was, you know, um, a stage when I was like, I wasn't expecting this. So I would say, you know, like think through this, include this in your time estimates and always like have some buffer time. So if you feel like something will take 10 days, don't say it will take 10 days because it will probably take more. <laughs> Great advice there. Yeah. So structure your process, make sure that you have a really clear understanding of what your process is so that you can guide the client through that process. Explain what your process is so that everyone is on board with the system that you're going to be doing throughout the project. Maybe even book in calls throughout the project in advance so that everyone knows at what stage they should have got copy for you, images for you, whatever. And uh, yeah, include buffer time in the project to ensure that there are no mishaps. Couldn't agree more. Gold dust from you there, Ben. 
So tell me about failure number three, trying to be good at everything and expecting that from yourself. Ooh, uh, this one I'm, I'm still struggling with at the moment. It got better, but it's still a struggle. You know, I'm happy to admit it. I think it comes from loving what you do, because like if you love what you do, then you care about this. If you care about this, then you probably want to be good at this. And, you know, it's natural, right? But the IT industry is pretty unique in the speed at which it's growing. Because like, I don't know about you, but I feel overwhelmed very often because, you know, I, I will open up my, my laptop and I'm seeing all the things that I want to learn and I know I don't have the time for it. You know, let's say on the hypothetical scale from zero to 10, let's say I feel like I want to be nine out of 10 Webflow developer in terms of the skill set, right? That's my ambition. And then I start to think how many things would I need to learn to reach that ambition of mine? And then I start to think how much should I sacrifice for it? You know, how, how big of a portion of your life? And then, you know, like, do I want to do this? And this is super difficult because if you love what you do, but then you don't want it to take 100% of your life, right? You want to hang out with friends, you want to experience things, you want to travel, you want, you know, different things. It's just hard. It's, it's hard to accept if you want to be this hypothetical nine out of 10. It's hard to accept that you just like leave some of it on the table and be okay with being eight out of 10, right? It's not an easy thing to do. I think like a few days ago, I actually, I sat down and I wrote all the things that I that I know I want to do or learn, you know, I just wrote a list. Some of it was pretty small. Some of it was like big topics to learn. And I literally like wrote down to myself, you are crazy. You know, I, I like I wrote it to myself, you know, if you think you're going to learn all of this, like soon or in a like few months, you're crazy, you know, and, and it's just like you have to build correct expectations from yourself because it's impossible to be good at everything you want to be good at. If, if you care about your job and you love it, it's, it's just not possible. I would have to probably brief and live Webflow like daily, including weekends. And even then, I would probably not be good at everything I want to be good at. So... So let's put this into the context of a Webflower that's starting out or someone that aspires to be a Webflow developer. Obviously, there's a myriad of different things it would be good to know. But where would you start if you were someone that aspired to be a Webflow freelancer? What part of web design and web development would you tackle first? If I had like zero previous experience, right? Say you had a full-time job and you could only work on this in the evenings and the weekends to develop skill sets. Okay, so I would start first by not learning Webflow. So I would start first by learning on the dev side, HTML and CSS fundamentals, and on the design side, UX and web design patterns. So you have like the, again, awareness of design patterns, of usability, and of how the websites and web layouts are built because they're built, you know, 
at the end of the day, it's just HTML and CSS, whether you're doing Webflow or, or not Webflow. And then once you do it, I would start learning Webflow as a tool, understanding the logic of how Webflow works as a tool. And then I would say just like keep focusing on fundamentals. And once you feel like you know fundamentals well, then it's a moment to sort of list all the things out and then, you know, be picky and and sort of, you know, pick your niche. You This is this, this cool stuff, this cool stuff, this cool stuff. I wouldn't jump on learning Webflow by, for example, like learning just animations, but leaving other important stuff on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Unless you're the artist or creative guy and you feel like this is the only way that it can be interesting for you. Because if what I said, that learning HTML, CSS or design, you know, if this is just too boring and you'll be like discouraging, then you can start by learning the fun part and come back to the fundamentals later. But what I would like to stress is that fundamentals are most important thing this stuff. I wish I did what you did what you just described but i didn't do that and i have messed up projects because i thought knowing webflow was enough or at least i thought i could build what the client wanted me to build in webflow but then once you've built it in the webflow designer and it works in the webflow designer and then you hit publish and you open it on safari or whatever you realize that actually you have not got the fundamentals in place and i am now doing HTML and CSS courses, having done client projects with Webflow, which might sound like the stupidest thing, but it kind of is a little bit silly how it's happened for me and what I wish I studied um, the fundamentals. But what I did do, like you've talked about, is studying the design patterns. And to do that, if anyone wants a kind of tip on that, it's look at websites that you really like and just overlay in figma if you screenshot them and then you go into figma and type over the top so that you have it the exact lettering spacing and you have the exact photo sizes and stuff and just see what the spacing is between stuff see how different layouts look and try and understand how they work so that you know if you were to do a design you have those kind of fundamentals in place from a very practical point of view and i think that's a really really good way to kind of see how things work and and why why do things look good like and just if you screenshot that take it into figma and then overlay stuff i think that's a really helpful way but yeah ben wish i did that stuff from the fundamental side of things in dev because that would have saved me a lot of stress okay quick fire questions we have got a few questions from the Webflow community. One from Matt Evans. Can you tell us about the net benefits of moving from Poland to Ireland? Um, given that many of us work remotely these days, have you found any upsides or downsides, especially on the work front? Yes and no, I would say, because I, I'm still cooperating with, with the Polish clients but not only with Polish clients. I would say it definitely helped me to become more active in the Webflow community because in Poland, we only have a handful of people doing this and it's not, you know, it's not super active. So I think it was, it was a good push to be 
to be you know out there in the community more so in terms of in terms of that i think it would be helpful but i wouldn't say that just out of moving countries that project wise suddenly it went through the know, roof looks different. yeah yeah <laughs> what is the most underrated skill for a web floor communication boom best tool that people should know but don't well people from outside it notion people from it who knows notion who know notion already Ooh, um, maybe Raindrop. If you're a designer, right? Like Raindrop has been a game changer for me. Um, this is essentially like a mood boarding tool. So right, right now, for example, like if I do mood boarding, I have hundreds probably by now of websites bookmarked and tagged in Raindrop. So I can pick, you know, premium, elegant website with an interesting typography. Then I'll just like, boom, premium, elegant typography. And I have 40 websites ready to go because I bookmarked them earlier. Awesome. I'll be checking that out after this. Best music to Webflow to? I've been Webflowing a lot to um, Tina Rewen or Tina Riven. This is like the African traditional music blended with rock and played on electric guitars. Amazing band. Okay. African guitars blended with rock. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, you're going to be developing really fast to that, I imagine. Who is your ideal client? My ideal client is um, is a good human being. That's That's the first thing. And then my ideal client respects my expertise and my ideal client knows the value of the good design great answer how do you get your first webflow jobs the mm. hot question how do you get or how did i get how did you get and would you recommend that okay. new generation my first webflow jobs came through working in design teams so i would just you know i would advocate for webflow and then Suddenly, you know, there is a website and hmm, maybe I can do it in Webflow. So I would say it's pretty unusual. And again, it came from like working in a team before. And is it a good way? It depends where you're coming from. If you're coming from a setup where you're, you know, a designer in a team, a marketer in a team, then yes, I would think is a good way because you can advocate and you can just like jump on projects. If you're a freelancer, I'd say just like keep networking and keep connecting with people. So I wouldn't say that, you know, jump on Fiverr and then your Fiverr project is the best way to go. It is one option, uh, but I would say that just keep meeting people and then the project would probably come sooner or later just by knowing people. Referrals are underrated, I think. Agreed. A couple more questions here. How did you develop your design aesthetic? Good one. <laughs> well, first of all, just by looking at websites. So that's, I think that's what we all try to do. So we try to surround ourselves with good website examples. So, you know, that's why we have all those website directories, collections, people try to, you know, create their own libraries of websites. And this is all good. And I definitely did that 
Um, and then the second thing, again, I will keep mentioning it everywhere. My design mentor helped me a ton with like analyzing why good websites are good websites. And then just by having conversations with him, then I think you pick up after a while of, you know, what works for what, why this layout works, why this layout doesn't work, and you you develop an eye for it. But one last thing about this, there are no shortcuts. It's it's time. You develop an eye to it, but it's it needs time. It's it's not something tangible you can just learn over three weeks and, and be comfortable with that. Got a last, in fact, I'm going to end on this question because I think this is a really nice question. What is your advice for non-native speakers? Ooh, oh, I wasn't expecting this. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the way I dealt with this is at some point I stopped being shy about speaking because speaking is a big part because you can know your other language well but you can be still super shy to speak because you feel like you can be judged that your accent is weird or something like this so the moment you stop caring about this it opens up big doors and i would say just um, surround yourself with the language you want to learn uh, start reading in this, watching in this, speaking in this, try even thinking in this language. And then if you you know keep repeating it and keep having conversations with natives, they'll be pleasantly surprised with your accent. And I didn't have a single experience when somebody just, you know, was approaching me badly because of my accent. You know, people are typically pleasantly surprised that you're trying and you're doing your best so benny you ready for the final question let's go all right this is the hardest question i've asked you what is your next failure going to be Hmm. i have no idea Well, thanks everyone for watching. No, <laughs> uh, you won't let me do it, right? Um... <laughs> no, I, I, I want you to give me something. Okay, mm, fair enough. Uh, probably my next failure would be uh, trying to do too many things at the same time. That's that's usually it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 14 of Webflare with Ben Selinski. The part of this episode that stood out most to me was when Ben talked about how to align expectations with the client. I'm not sure about you, but I've had a few client projects become a drag because the client's expectations of a website project were wildly different from reality. This includes visual expectations, i.e. if you want the website to be playful, what does that actually look like? But also timeline expectations i.e. the project won't be finished in a month if you don't get feedback within two working days. This is why Ben emphasizes that it's vital to set expectations at the start of the project to ensure both you, the client, and any other stakeholders' expectations are all aligned. If you want inspiration, business advice, and Webflow jobs direct to your inbox, sign up for the Webflow Roundup at webflow.com. This is a weekly newsletter designed for you to take your Webflow freelancing to the next level. I hope it helps. 
This coming week, I'll be interviewing Matt Evans, Webflow developer from 8020. Join us at 2pm BST on YouTube this coming Thursday to talk about some epic failures from Matt's career. Until next week, Webflailers.